Yes, sports radio's on. Talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on. From the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day. College football, we know who's number one. Understand on the phones, you know we get it done. So call in 718-664-9098, and we'll give you more. Talking sports, uh, yes we do. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and it is a football Friday. Give us a call, 718-664-9098. Like always, you can tweet at us, Facebook us. You know, it's Ray and Tay today. We're here for you. Check out the website, RayAndTayToday.com. Send us your emails at RayAndTayToday at gmail.com. Ray, you know what it is. NFL, college, a little bit of baseball at the end, some crazy injuries. But we got to start with Thursday night football. Eli and Odell and Ruben get it done. All the Louisiana boys, right? But the question I have for you, why is Jay Gruden acting like Kirk Cousins played a good game when everybody else is like, nah, homie, it wasn't that good. What's going on in D.C.? And what did you think about the game? Maybe Jay Gruden's playing fantasy because at the end of the day, Kirk Cousins did get his 300 yards and he did have a good fourth quarter. And maybe statistically he's thinking with all these quarterbacks going down, that Kirk Cousins is not bad as a pickup this week. But for real, Washington looked pretty pathetic. Um, This was on a short week. I get it, but both teams played on a short week. And they had Garcon and Reed in the game. They They were leading the league in rushing, albeit after two weeks. And they just couldn't do anything. That giant defense took them out of the game, and they just looked bad from start to finish. Kirk Cousins didn't look any worse than anybody else on the team, but no way did Kirk Cousins play a great game. He played okay at a very good fourth quarter, but he really overall didn't play that great. Well, he missed a lot of open guys. I mean, Reed and Garcon were open quite a bit. Um, Some underthrows, you know, two interceptions. He did have the one touchdown pass, but it seems like he was so quick to rip RG3 in practice and really quick to say everybody's got to play better around Kirk. I don't know. It just, it, there seems like some funny business and I'm not sure where to go with it. I'm sure people in DC might think or could be, and it's a plausible question. Is it a race issue? I don't think it is, but I thought the way that he came out and attacked RG3 last year so strongly was uncomfortable and inappropriate. And then now on the flip side, he's talking out of the other side of his mouth and trying to protect Kirk. So I can see where people would have questions about that. You know? see, I don't think it's a race thing because in a year he's going to lose his job. So he needs to play the best quarterback that can win him games. It might be that he's a young coach. The way I read it is he's a young coach, and his ego might be a little bit fragile. And he's like, wait a minute, I'm entering this team, and RG3, who had one good year, his rookie year, is is the big man on campus. He's like, I'm the big man on campus. So it could be some of that lingering. I, I, I tend not to think that it's race because, you know what, football is a really harsh sport. You know, you don't have time to be racist. <laughs> you got to win games or else you're going to lose your job. So, you know, I, I hope that's the case. I hope that's the case. And I tend to think that's the case. Well, good, good luck for the Giants to get Randall going next week against Buffalo. Victor Cruz will be back. Eli was clutch in the fourth quarter. They started off, extended it to 25 to six. Are the Giants, who could have easily been 3-0, and in some ways you might be able to say or even throw out there that they could look like the best team in the, in the NFC, 
East. What do, what do you Why not? About Look, that? I think ultimately Philadelphia, this is their division to, to lose. I think the Cowboys are done. People want to convince themselves that, you know, when Hardy comes back and Gregory comes back. But I, I don't think so. I think you lose Romo and Bryant and, and Witten potentially for any period of games. You're you're done. Um, so I think it's really the Eagles. But you know what? The Giants, like you said, they should be 3-0, and at least 2-1. and And there's no reason to think that in a weak NFC East, they got to think they're better than the Redskins and the Cowboys, and they just have to compete with the Eagles, and they get them twice. So uh, the Giants should be a, a happy one and two right now, or an optimistic one and two. Let's put it that way. Definitely. So let, let's go off the field with our, our little segment, some news and notes around sports and obviously some of these NFL injuries. But off the bat, Tristan Thompson with the Cavaliers, Three years, $53 million. Is it done? Is it true? Like, you know, Broussard reported it. Then people close to the owners are like, no, it's not true. What do you think is going on with Rich Paul, Tristan Thompson, LeBron, and the Cleveland Cavaliers? It's very interesting that in this negotiation, LeBron, who's usually very active and very makes his opinion known, Let's put it that way, stepped aside and is not at least in the public eye making comments here. So I think LeBron wants to see if the Cavs are going to do the right thing. And you know what? Maybe the right thing is a three-year contract because Tristan Thompson feels like he could wait next year and get paid $20 million. I don't know about that, but they're – they're about $5 million a year apart, and, you know, it only gets gets more extreme at the back end of the contract. But Tristan Thompson right now wants max money, and he says, well, Enos Cantor got max money. And that's the thing. Once one owner makes a mistake <laughs> and overpays somebody, then all Thank the you. other guys are like, well, he got paid, so I got to get paid. And, of course, he deserves more money than Enos Cantor. But you know what? Enos Cantor got signed to the offer sheet. Oklahoma City panicked. They got to keep Kevin Durant. There's always a backstory, right? Enos Cantor is not worth the contract that he signed. Not yet. Maybe he will at some point. And, and now Tristan Thompson's hung up on that. So, to me, Tristan should sign a short-term contract and just get it, you know, get it done. And then in in two years, if LeBron is still there, if Love is still, you know, then you decide whether to stay or to go. The one thing you said about that is very interesting. I do believe in terms of Thompson and Cantor, neither of those teams would win this season without either of those players. So at the end of the day, they both, you know, have some value. Another shocking development in the NBA, Meta World Peace is back. I saw that. Agreed to a one-year deal with the Lakers, Ray. Oh, my goodness. And him and Nick Young, they said together, Nick Young was like, we're going to change our name. It's like, what, Swaggy P? I already thought you changed your name. Like, you know what I mean? I, I just, you have to laugh. It's comedy. What Another do you think question. about Anthony Bennett, the former yes. number one overall pick, clearing waivers? Nobody even wants to touch his rookie contract. And he's set to sign with the Toronto Raptors. He's going home. I mean, yeah, going back to Canada. So what do you think about though, that? It could work out there, right? I could see it working there. The Raptors actually, they might be building a, a decent uh, three, four, five seed. A nice little team, and maybe they get over the hump with players improving, you know? Yeah, he got himself a $3.5 million buyout, and he's expected to sign with the Raptors for $950,000. So, Here's a story of a guy that snuck up on people from UNLV and became the number one pick and then just really had a had a slow start to his NBA career. Look, But, but here's the thing. He's still, what, 22 years old? He's a baby. He's still, he's still got a lot of career ahead of him. So, and unlike Greg Oden, Ray, he's healthy at least. Right. So good for him. And, and maybe going to Canada and, and being away from the spotlight, not to the T-Wolves spotlight, but now I guess now they will be with Carl with Anthony Towns and they've got some, some more, you know, 
some more eyes and Wiggins and Towns on the same team and, and, and Zach Levine. So maybe maybe it was a good thing to get out of there and, and good for him. You know, hopefully this start will be the one that propels him to – because you want to see guys succeed, you know, especially if you were number one overall pick. You know, you don't want to go down as a, as a Michael Olawa candy type that just didn't yeah. ever pan out. So two more things before we get to all the NFL injury stuff. Kind of like in the knucklehead category, your boy Marquise Morris is reporting to camp, which is good because he's trying to demand a trade. And you can't do that. It puts the sons in a bad position. And just because your brother got traded, don't act like a baby. Just go to camp and play for the sons. Neither one of the Morris twins are that great. And their behavior and just what they've done off the court has been deplorable already. So just, 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 you know, you're not in Philly anymore. Grow up, be mature. I don't know. I'm kind of sick of the Morris twins, right? I hear you, and you're right. They're acting as if they're – I mean, who are the best brothers in basketball? The Lopez twins, a little bit better than them. The Gasol I mean, they're twins. acting like they're – Gasols are the best. The Gasols, right, the Gasols. Exactly, there you go. They're acting like they're the Gasol twins, and they're not. <laughs> you got to do a little more on the court before you can start demanding things and, and, and you know, trying to say, ah, I'm going to be traded because you told me this, that, and the other, and my brother got traded. Just work on your game. And – and, Ray, what's up with Dunleavy? I mean, you know, we're thinking about the Bulls, you know, maybe competing for the East. He has back surgery. He's going to be out eight to ten weeks. Training camp is starting, like, today or this weekend for a lot of teams. Why wouldn't you have back surgery, like, June, July, August? I mean, help me with this, Ray. I, I just don't understand. Your back I don't understand wasn't hurting either. then. Uh, you know, it, I can't believe it's as simple as he just waited. So something must have happened, and I think that maybe he was waiting for the inflammation to go down. Maybe he tried physical therapy. I, I don't know. But it, it just seems so hard to believe that a guy wants to be productive and ends up losing, you know, a few weeks of the season because he delayed his back surgery. But either way, not good news. For him, not good news for the team. So, uh, speedy recovery. You know, you, you want to see teams at full yeah, strength. Yeah, we wish, wish him the best, of course. But come on, man. So, straight up, it's football time. Football news notes. The big one, Drew Brees, Ray. I guess uh, your boy uh, Ian Rappaport had it right, you know, on Sunday night, Monday, that Brees would not be playing. And he's not playing. So, We'll talk about that later, but I guess real quick, I mean, because we're not going to really preview that game. I think the Panthers will probably put it on them. Keekley's out as well, but Luke McCown stepping in, and both McCowns are starting this week, right? The brothers, we have the brothers theme on this so, show, but if the Saints go 0-3, Ray, are they, are they basically going to be done without Breeze this week in Carolina? Well, you got to figure that <clears> – <throat> They're in a they're in a good division to be 0 and 3 if they do fall to 0 and 3, right? I don't believe Atlanta's that good, and Carolina's not that good, and Tampa's not that good. So if anybody can make a shot, you know, the, the NFC South is the place to be. But 0 and 3 statistically is really hard to come back from. So and especially if Breeze is going to be nursing this injury, so Breeze probably won't be 100 percent all year, or maybe he, he will be later in the year. So they're in trouble. They need McCown to, to, to pull out this victory for them. <laughs> so you want to rename that vision the not-so-good division? <laughs> not so good and not so fast. Even when you're 2-0, and you're not really that good. The Atlanta Falcons are not really that good. <laughs> uh, Ray, so look, DeMarco Murray says he's going to play. Would you trust him with that hamstring? You always got to be worried about uh, – skill position players with that hamstring, especially wide receivers, but even running backs, you know, because the cutting and the and the jumping and, and you know, quick lateral movement. So I would not want to see him play, but then again, they don't want this division to get away from them. So I understand why he's playing. I'm just worried. I'm just, you know, you have Ryan Matthews. You have Darren Sproles. I mean, let this guy rest. That's why you have depth at that position. I I totally agree. I was sort of surprised. Like, to me, if you get hurt Friday with your hamstring, I mean, Wednesday uh, in practice with your hamstring, 
like when you've got two other backs who could definitely carry the load, why even attack it? Like just chill out for a week, you know, that that's a bit mind boggling and it could be a, a real mistake, Ray. I, I don't like where they're thinking or, or, or going quite with that one. Now in Chicago, interesting, the Seahawks, huge favorites over the bears. Beast mode is a game time decision, which was kind of interesting or shocking. So, you know, probably wouldn't start him necessarily in fantasy. And I know Fred Jackson, if you want to take the risk, there you go. Right. But the bears, Ray, no Cutler and no Alshon Jeffrey. Ouch. That's, yeah, they're uh, going to be stacking the box for Matt Forte. So if you've got anybody on the Bears team in fantasy, uh, good luck. Yeah. So, and the I Camp mean, Chancellor's back, too. I'm sure Seattle's yeah. going to want to – they're going to want – I don't know what, what we're going to do about, you know, we're not going to preview that game per se, but i, I got to think that they're going to put it on them like 40 to 10. They just <laughs> they just put a beating on, on them. Remember when, are you two saying years just, ago when they started to do that to people, they didn't really do it last year as much, but two years ago when they just started to pound people in the third and fourth quarter, like USC style when Pete Carroll used to put it on people, I think that's what they're going to do to Chicago this week. Yeah, I, I could see it being that bad, Ray. I could definitely see it being that bad. That's So I think those are the the major injuries is, you know, Mike Evans and some other guys are kind of playing probably, but banged up, you know, that's, those are the the main gist of of the guys. I don't think there's anybody else quarterback wise. I mean, obviously, you know, Brandon Wheaton starting in Dallas, you got Clawson, you got Luke McCown, Johnny Menzel lost his spot back, you know, so that's, uh, that's kind of it around on the rounded, the way I guess in the NFL. So let's, let's talk about Saturday, Ray. It is going to be very got, obviously we got Stanford playing tonight against Oregon state. I would expect Stanford to take care of that. Not too many big ranked games this week, just a couple, mainly in the PAC 12, a couple of SEC battles that are interesting, but I figured we start off with, a team that lost last week, but boy, they look good in the loss. Number 22, BYU, at a very difficult and vastly and quickly improving Michigan Wolverines with our boy Jim Harbaugh. What are your thoughts about this game? Like you said, this BYU team is 2-1. and one. They could be 3-0. and oh. This Michigan, Michigan team could be you know, 1-2 and two or could be 2-1 you know, like they are now. I think because this game is in the big house, I think Michigan ultimately prevails. Michigan is starting to get their swagger, starting to play Jim Harbaugh football, starting to run the football. And I think ultimately that's where they're going to be able to impose their will, especially in the fourth quarter. BYU is a slightly better offensive team, but they give up a ton on defense. And I think that that's going to be the difference. I think ultimately Michigan in the fourth quarter is going to be able to score, and Michigan's D is much better. So you've got Michigan at home, the better D. The offenses are comparable. I got I got to take Michigan in this one. I think it'll be a relatively uh, you know decent scoring game. I, I like Michigan putting up 31 and maybe BYU 24. Okay. Yeah, see, I see this like the UCLA battle, right? BYU went on the road and battled 24-23 at UCLA, and UCLA to me is better than Michigan. The only thing is I think Michigan's style and what you said, I think it'll be a little bit lower scoring, and I think this is going to be – Harborough is going to make it into a backyard brawl, you know, a little two tight ends, running the ball, his little – tight end screens and his little quick passes. Um, I think BYU, they've had a couple of injuries, and I think it might catch up to them. I actually, you know, you know, truth be told, we're both Michigan fans, but that's not why I'm agreeing with you. I, I just think Michigan is establishing something that at home will get them through to survive this one. I think it will be close. I'll say Michigan 26-23. 
and they they uh, survive in advance, right? <laughs> which is All right. I, which, hold what on, you got to do. We have a caller here. All right. Let's see if the caller wants to talk some football. Hello, caller, you on the air with Ray and Tay. What's going on, Ray and Tay? Oh, Luke, man. Oh, yeah, oh, Luke. <laughs> How you guys What's doing? What's up, man? Is this the 49er talk coming? Oh, man. I, I couldn't call after that last beat down from the Steelers. It was, it was a little too heartbreaking for me. Yeah, yeah. Wait, say that again? You shouldn't call after what? What happened? I, after that, four, the Steelers beat us down. That was a heartbreaking loss right there. Woo! <laughs> you like you stole something, though. Nah, you're always welcome to call. Don't worry about it. Just because Eric flexes a little bit, that's all right. We, we'll we'll shut him down. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but I tell you, your boys look good, man. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I know you guys talking college football, so I was li- listening to you guys going on with that. But um, yeah, it, 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 when you guys ready to talk NFL, let me know because I got a couple of things to talk about. All right. If you want to hold on, we we'll continue college for another few yeah, minutes. We'll or bring if you, you back want in. Okay. Okay. Great. okay, great. Okay. So the next one, Ray, this is uh, you know, this is a dandy. This is one of those Pac twelve games. Now Miles Jack is out for UCLA, number nine. They're stud linebacker who played running back last year. Now he's just staying on the defensive end. <clears throat> I think that's a huge injury. I think they also lost one of their uh, defensive linemen. And they're at number 16, Arizona, who they had lost their stud a, a couple of the first week of the season. I don't know if Scooby's coming back or what. Scooby's back, this yeah. One? They say Scooby's right's going to play tomorrow. Okay. So, you know, I got to be honest. Week one, the quarterback, the freshman, Tep Rosen, tore it up. But he struggled the last two weeks. And he, I think he struggled mightily against BYU at home. I'm actually going to go with Arizona in this one. I think, you know, the coach, you know, I like Rodriguez. I think he's a great coach. And I think Arizona can actually score and move the ball in UCLA. So this one, to me, it's going to be the Wildcats going to be going crazy down in Tucson. And I actually like them 27-23. And UCLA, they, they won the close one last week, and they lose the close one this week. By the time I get to Arizona, that's what UCLA is going to be saying. And <laughs> Paul Perkins rushed for 200 yards last week, but Josh Rosen yeah. had a bad game, threw for three interceptions, looked like a freshman, and he'll do that at times. I just think that uh, new Solomon is playing so great. I think that Arizona is going to get a big lift on defense with Scooby Wright, the Pac-12 defensive player of the year candidate, coming back. The game's in Arizona. Your boys in Tucson are going to go crazy. And I think that Arizona actually wins pretty big. I think they win 31-20. Wow. Yeah, okay. So we're uh, two for two with those right there. Thinking the same way. Yeah, I, I could totally see that one too. It's That's a good one. So Utah, Ray, number 18. You know, remember them Utes. We liked the Utes from last year. Great, versatile team. Devontae Booger, the, the, the high, you know, potential Heisman candidate at running back, at the Oregon Ducks at 13. Now, Oregon, it's all about Vernon Adams here. And to me, I think Vernon gets it going in Duckland. They start quacking early. <laughs> and I think the Ducks outlast Utah. The one thing I say about Utah, they'll be able to run the ball, but I, I don't think they can score enough with Oregon, and I think Vernon Adams and, and the Ducks being at home, they'll be able – now, Utah's a stingy defense. We, we saw that even against Michigan. But I think at home and, and the speed and some of those weapons, the talent Oregon has, I'm going to go um, uh, less than a touchdown. I'll say 31-26, Oregon over Utah. Entertaining game. Oregon just pulls away, though. You know, Vernon Adams has a broken finger. And as a quarterback, that's kind of a big deal. You handle the ball every single snap, so that's going to be 50, 60 times a game. I have a sneaky suspicion that this Utah team, despite the fact that Oregon's averaging 567 yards on offense and 50 points a game, 
I have a feeling that if Travis Wilson and Devontae Booker play well, and, and Wilson has kind of been up and down, but if they can put it together, watch out for the Utes, the Utah Utes going into Eugene and shocking the Oregon Ducks. I think it could be a close game, but I think ultimately Vernon Adams with his bad wheel, uh, with his bad finger, and oh, then, wait, he's used to playing with that. Remember, it's been like that for a couple of weeks. It's not anything true, new. True, true. And he hasn't played great. He's played okay. Um, and I, th- I think the key is Royce Freeman. I think if Royce Freeman can run free, like a free man, then <laughs> he will lead, you know, potentially Oregon can blow out Utah. But I think they're going to stop him, and they're going to make Adams win the game. And I think they're going to create a turnover or two in the fourth quarter, and Utah wins a very close game. Thirty-one thirty. High scoring. Okay. Now that would make things extremely interesting in the Pac-12. And the Pac-12, like the SEC, Ray, a lot of people feel they're just going to beat up on each other and there might not be anybody to, you know, stand up. There might be a bunch of teams with two losses at the end which would open things up for potentially like a Michigan State and Ohio State or a TCU and a Baylor, you know what I mean? Cause yeah, or, you could or say the same. SEC team potentially. Yeah, you could say the same for, you know, the SEC. I mean, we might have both of those conferences, which are the, considered the two best, with their best team having two losses. That would be fascinating. So we'll see how that goes. Now, USC. Wow, did they drop far, all the way down to 19. Ouch, right? I mean, wow, Stanford kicked them to the, to the curb at ASU. The Sun Devils, who are trying to still kind of recover from that Texas A&M loss, have been playing pretty good. This one's going to be fascinating because, like Stanford, I think if ASU wins this game, they're sort of back in the hunt and back alive. And... Something tells me to pick them, but at the same time, I just think Cody Kessler is a little too special. They got to, you know, get uh, their running back going, Dimitri, um, that kid, and then DJ Foster, who's left running back and going to receiver, get him going. Caravici, he's got to do his thing at quarterback. But I just, for some reason, I want to say SU, but I thought about this one, and I think Cody Kessler – does enough where he might not turn it over and he gets four touchdowns. And I'm going to say 34-27, USC keeps hope and everything else alive, and they knock ASU out of the picture. Now, ASU might only lose two games all year, but I think this one's going to be, you know, hard for them to overcome in terms of even in the Pac-12 and any type of real significant playoff stuff for them. And USC gets back in the hunt with a big win on the road in the Pac-12, 34-27 over ASU. I said it before on the show. By the time I get to Arizona, so <laughs> when USC shows up in Tempe, they're showing up with their Heisman Trophy candidate, with their guy, but you know what? They have some chinks in the armor. And I have a sneaky suspicion that your boy Berkovici and Demario Richard, these guys are going to take it to Southern Cal. And I think this game is going to be a shootout. And I believe that the home team – now, shootout favors USC, right, because they've, they've scored almost 50 points in both of their games, right? And, and you could argue they've got the better D. I just think you go on the road, you're in Tempe, it's one of those Pac-12 South battles. I like the Sun Devils. I really do. I think that this game is going to be another one of those fairly high-scoring games. I like them 30, 30 to 27. And it's going to be a party in Arizona, in Tucson and in Tempe. So you could go to either one of those. <laughs> You know what? I I wish I had the courage to pick them like you did because I really want ASU to win that game even though I have 
USC and my final picks and all that. I just, I really think that Cody Kessler writes the shit, but you know what? I like that pick. I like you thinking with that one. It's going to be fun. Now, look, we we weren't going to pick any other ones, but I I just want to ask you real quick. Texas A&M, they're ranked at Arkansas. Is this a dangerous game for them? Because, you know, Arkansas, they're, they're still pretty tough. You know, people have hyped them up a lot, but I think they've got a lot of talent in the SEC. It's, you know, not so many great games. The other one in the SEC is Florida-Tennessee, which, you know, neither one of those teams are where they were years ago. That used to be a classic, right? So let me ask you, can Arkansas at home, can they knock off Texas A&M? They can. They've got a pretty decent passing offense. They're very comparable uh, on defense. So if Brett Bielema can get his team to play well at home, they might be able to shock somebody, but I don't think it's going to happen. I like these Aggies too much. Uh, I think that Kevin Sumlin's got this team playing. He's got the uh, he's got the defensive coordinator from LSU locking down yeah. that D, making the improvements from last couple years where they were just a sieve on defense. So I like Texas A&M in this game. So I think Arkansas falls to one and three, and I think Texas A&M starts to make a move in the SEC at 4-0. and Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be like 33-24, something like that. And you're right. I think this is Texas A&M season. I think someone, he gets it going. So it's that time. We'll get ready to bring O back in. And it's time for week three. You are now listening to the NFL Talk. Ray, 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 Ray. So before we start off with those Falcons Cowboys, let's let's get O on and let's talk about the, the Cardinals and the Niners with O. This will be a special pick for Oren because that's his team. Oren, tell me in in, in any way possible how Kaepernick and the Niners to come out here to Arizona. Because what Ray, what I think Ray's feeling is that Arizona is sweeping the weekend. ASU, Arizona, and Arizona Cardinals are going to smack everybody that comes to Arizona this weekend and send them back to the airport in Phoenix crying. So tell me how the, the Niners could prevent that. Uh, we're going to have to have a heavy dose of Carlos Hyde. And, that's, that's, and actually, we need Vernon Davis to wake up and want to get the ball. Get the ball. You know, I think that right now, if we play like we did against that Cardinals team, is tough, man. And we've lost so many pieces. I, I'm, I'm hoping for a close game or a squeaker, but um, it really depends on we got to get the air game going. And we, we one dimensional, we, we're not going to win. You know, what's interesting is that after the first game, everybody was like, "All right, Colin Kaepernick is is back to what he was two, three years ago," and, and they unleashed him. And then Carlos Hyde is is the new, improved Frank Gore. And now people are like, "Well, maybe maybe that's a little too aggressive." But you know, if if Carlos Hyde is healthy, he's a heck of a player. I just I, I'm concerned about that offense, the passing game. I'm concerned. Where is Vernon Davis on a regular basis? When 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 Anquan Bolden is your number one, his best years are about two three years behind him. So I want to see where's the playmaking ability. Where's the the big play? You know, and Kaepernick is going to make some, but I want to see more. Yeah, and he has a, actually he has to do more with his feet too. I mean, he needs to he has to stretch the offense, to stretch the chains by running more. If we don't we don't have the weapons we had. I mean, that's clear we don't. And and that division is so tough, we're really more run dependent now than the passing attack. And if we can't get Vernon Davis on the same page as Kaepernick, he's gonna have to run for about seventy, eighty yards to make it competitive. And our defense is still, you know, I was impressed but I was you know, I was like wondering a little bit, are they gonna be able to be consistent? Because there's so many different pieces in there. The gelling part of it's got to it's got to take some time. You know what? Yeah, and I, go ahead, Tate. Yeah, no, I just think 
Um, this is a difficult game. You guys both said it about their weapons. Hopefully he could stretch it to Torrey Smith, who needs to step up and actually try to become a number one for the first time in his career. What's Don't wrong know with your Maryland people? I know, man. <laughs> Vernon Davis. What's wrong with your Terps on that team? The Terps, I know. man. It, it, it's frustrating because I know Torrey can ball out, and so can Vernon. Um, I think Kaepernick's ready to, to turn the corner. He looks like a, a new and a better quarterback. Honestly, my concern is still still that defense. The Steelers chew them up. And best believe Larry Fitzgerald and John Brown, they're both going to catch six to eight balls and probably both get in the end zone. Carson Palmer has not been sacked yet, gentlemen, and I don't think it's going to happen on Sunday. I look for the Cardinals to take out the, the Niners pretty easily. I'll say 31-20. Cardinals beat the Niners in Arizona. I think it would be closer than that. I actually think that uh, Larry Fitzgerald had the, you know, Ponce de Leon, you know, he went to the Fountain of Youth last week, and Carson Palmer also. I don't think they're going to be doing that three-touchdown game, you know, maybe ever, you know, between the two of them, you know, in, in their career, or at least this year. So I think it'll be a closer game than that. I actually think if Carlos Hyde is healthy, and you guys can control the clock. You make it a close game, but I think ultimately the Cardinals probably win in the fourth quarter on a field goal, something like 23-20. Yeah. So give us a score, O. Where you going? Uh, I hate to say it, but I have the Cardinals probably 28-24. I do think it's going to be a closer game because of rivalry. But I think that ultimately is going to come down to they just got more weapons than us right now, uh, you know. And I need to really see more from Kaepernick to see going forward what's going to go on. I mean, I, th- I think he's he's geared in, but he's not locked in. I mean, he's good for himself, but he got to lock in with the team. So I say twenty eight twenty four. Hate to say it against my boys, but I think the Cardinals will pull out just a sure, tight game. All right, cool man. All right, oh, thanks for calling, man. We appreciate it. All right, fellas. Well. Good luck on fantasy this week, and I'll catch up with you guys next week. Yeah, oh, appreciate yeah. the call. Don't, don't let my son beat up on you too bad, though. You're playing my, my oh, six-year-old. I don't know. I think he's going to hurt you. <laughs> you know, he's going to hurt you on first grade style. Gotta do. He's going to hurt you on first grade style, player. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas. I'll talk to you later. All right. All right. So, Ray, this is interesting. It's simple. It's a very injured no Bryant, no Romo, Cowboy team at home against a team that we might have all underappreciated, uh, uh, you know, underestimated, disrespected, Atlanta Falcons at the Cowboys. I, I'm going to say right off the bat, I'm not sure what's going on with Roddy White. Hopefully he's, you know, gets it going. He is active. But, uh, you know, Hankerson's been playing good, and I think Julio Jones is unstoppable. Your secondary is not that great. They haven't been able to run the ball yet, and if Witten is barely walking on the field, I don't know who they're throwing to. Williams, Cole Beasley, Falcons defense is flying around. They're not great, but they're they're at least they're, they're moving. Quinn's got them scheming and moving, and I think it's not it might not be too close. Whedon might get you one touchdown. I think he might get you two picks. My fantasy stud. By the way, in the other game, my fantasy stuff will be Carson Palmer again. Another three touchdowns, four week, three weeks in a row. But um, I'll say the Falcons, Julio Jones, nine for 110 and a touchdown. The Falcons beat the Cowboys, Ray, 27-13. You know, I can't disagree with that. The Cowboys have no real weaponry except for Terrence Williams potentially. Even when Jason Witten is healthy, he's not you don't fear him. He gets you first down, he might catch a touchdown, but he's not striking fear into anybody. And Randall and Dunbar, not enough. Uh, my fantasy guy in this game is Matt Ryan. I think he's going to spread it around. I think Julio Jones will have a big game, but I also think Hankerson will have a big game. And I think that Matty Ice will find his way to the end zone four times. I think the the Falcons, despite not being that good, will be 3-0. and oh. And wow. they beat the Cowboys pretty easily. I think they'll beat them 
31-17. Okay, now a fascinating matchup. We're getting to these good division games, the AFC North. Those undefeated Bengals are going to the winless Baltimore Ravens, who are not so healthy. They still don't have Perryman. They're struggling without their emotional defensive leader and Suggs. Secondary a little banged up. I think this is bad because not only am I worried about the bank, the, the, the Ravens winning at home in their division, they got to turn around Thursday night and go to Pittsburgh, Ray. And I think the Ravens are going to start off 0-4. It's, it's bad, and it's going to be bad quickly. I think Dalton has got all his weapons. Eifert is just too much. Now, for Baltimore, you got to look out for this kid. He's housed Max Williams' spot. Crockett Gilmore at tight end. He's a good fantasy pickup. But um, And I don't know if it's going to be Hill or Bernard, but I think it'll be both of them. And I think it's uh, A.J. Green's game. Eight receptions, a touchdown for a buck 15. Cincinnati wins, I'll say 28 17. Cincinnati takes care of the Ravens and puts them at 0 and 3. Ouch. Well, and then if they're 0 and 3, they probably lose the next week at Pittsburgh. And I don't think that's going to happen. I Ooh. have a suspicion the Ravens are going to find a way. Now they're without Brashad Perriman, and they, they need him. I think long term they need him. You know, they let Torrey Smith go. They've got they've got some needs at the playmaker position. And I think they put a lot of pressure on Flacco, and Forsett isn't what he was last year. I mean, what is he averaging, like three and a half yards a carry? I just have a feeling that this Cincinnati Bengals team, like always, doesn't really know how to play from ahead, doesn't really know how to put people out of the division. And they'll end up at 9-7, and 10-6, and six, maybe even win that division. But they just, on the road in Baltimore, I have a feeling the Ravens are going to sneak it out. They're going to win 24-23. And my fantasy stud will be for set. I think he'll get back on track. He'll start running like he did last year. And I think they'll do just enough to win and go 1-2. and two. And I can't see the Ravens being 0-4 after four weeks. You know, and I don't mind you having that faith in Harbaugh because he is one of the top three to five coaches in the league, without a doubt. We both, uh, you know, have a ton of respect for him and just how they take care of that whole organization, him and Ozzy. So this is an interesting one because we got another team facing 0-3. The Eagles, ladies and gentlemen, with DeMarco banged up and Sam Bradford's ego and Chip Kelly's ego banged up. Nelson Aguilar, who and where are you? The only guy showing up has been Jordan Matthews. They're playing against our – Even he's been dropping some balls. Yes, that's true. Playing against our 2-0 and o Jets. Revis is a little banged up, but I think him and Camardi will both play. Ray, <clears throat> I got to be honest. Even Chris Ivory being a little questionable, you still got Bilal Powell and Zach Stacey. Bilal. And I don't see where the Eagles' defense is. Look, Kiko Lonzo's hurt. He'll be out for a while with that knee. The one that he had the surgery on, it's it's banged up. It might just be a sprain, so he might only miss a couple of weeks. But I hate to say it. I don't see where or how this offense turns it around so much that the Jets, who are tough at the linebacker, tough at the defensive line, and outstanding in the secondary, I think this Jet team might wind up being the best defense all around in the NFL. And I think the Jets take care of the Eagles. Now, look, we know five turnovers, they only scored, what, 20 points on Monday Night Football, so they're not explosive and and don't move the chains. You're going to miss Decker, who's out, but Brandon Marshall is balling out, and Chris Ivory will probably suit up and play. He's been really impressive. And maybe they get some of their tight ends and other receivers involved. I think the Jets win a close one, 23-20. Squeak it out in a battle. And the Eagles get it going a little bit, but not enough. 23-20, Jets win. And I'll say my fantasy stud is Brandon Marshall. A touchdown, 
seven receptions, 90 yards. Sounds good to me. So if we're on the public enemy theme, the next public enemy song is Can't Trust It. <laughs> and I don't trust. trust it. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I can't trust the Jets. I can't trust Ryan uh, Fitzpatrick. So the Jets, to me, are not explosive enough on offense to just rely on that D to carry them. Now, you're right. They might have the best D in the league. And I like Bowles' style, and Bowles' style is going to create turnovers. But you know what? I also like, and I always have liked Sam Bradford's accuracy. And I think that if he gets the ball out quickly, and if he gets the ball out accurately to his players and his playmakers, and where is Nelson Aguilar? Um, but I believe that Jordan Matthews, and I believe in the tight ends, and I believe in the depth at running back. You know, we talked about DeMarco Murray, and then obviously Matthews and Sproul are the healthier options. I have a feeling that Fitzpatrick's going to throw a couple interceptions, and the Jets without Decker uh, are, are a stagnant team because I think you can double-team Brandon Marshall, and he's not what he was two, three years ago. He's still good, but I don't know that he can carry you through the double-teams anymore like he like he used to, and the Jets don't have enough offensive oomph. So the game will be close. And I think that the Philadelphia Eagles, I can't see the Eagles going 0-3. And And the Jets don't really know how to play from ahead either. So I think the Eagles win a really close one. I'll say 24-22. I'm going to go to weird score there. Um, Philadelphia Eagles, 24-22. Oh, 24-22, okay. Yeah, I'll say that would be like a missed extra point, a go for two type of thing. Listen, if you believe in Crystal Light and you believe in these O two teams, I love it. I love it, right? I believe. I believe. I can't see. I can't see the Jets being three and zero and the Eagles being zero and three. I would just, you know, the world would would be would be topsy turvy. Well, right now you're making the fans in Baltimore and Philadelphia very very happy. Let's go out to St. Louis with the Rams been kind of confusing at one-on-one against the one-on-one Steelers. Guess who's back? <laughs> Le'Veon Bell, ladies and gentlemen. He's back in my fantasy lineup. He's back in our hearts. And I think he's back in the end zone. The Rams did not look good against the run. Now, that defensive line, Aaron Donald gets up there and Long and the fellas, and they, they get that pass rush going. But if you get rid of the ball pretty quickly, they don't seem to be stopping the run. And the Redskins line is not any better than the Steelers line with Cody Wallace instead of Ponzi. And the Steelers have, you know, a pretty good line. But I think it's just too much Big Ben, too much Antonio Brown. Let's be honest. If Garcon and Reed and those boys are going to chew up your secondary, I think the Steelers receivers, Marcus Wheaton comes off. All these guys have a big day in, in, in St. Louis. And the Rams will show face. Maybe we see Gurley. I think they might hold them out for one more week. But, you know, they're saying it's a game-time decision. Either way, I don't love Nick Foles in this situation in the offense. I'll give them 20 points. But I'm going to say it's 30 to 20. The Steelers have a big day. And I put it on Big Ben. But uh, I'll give it to Le'Veon. I think he catches six balls. He runs for 80. And I think he might get two touchdowns, receiving maybe 40, 50 yards, rushing 80, and two touchdowns. Le'Veon Bell is my fantasy stud. So keeping with the P.E. theme, I'm going to say too, too, too much posse. And the Pittsburgh Steelers have too much offensive posse, especially now that your boy Le'Veon Bell, arguably the best running back all around, in the NFL is back. I don't think, I think they'll if you run have a him. Son, Ray, if you have a son, you have to name him Le'Veon. Le'Veon. I don't know <laughs> that they'll give him the workload that they'll give him in two, three weeks. I think they mm-hmm. will still go with Brown Sugar. Brown Sugar, babe. D'Angelo Williams. Um, so so he'll probably it'll probably be eighty twenty Le'Veon. Um, yeah. so I don't know that he's be my fantasy stud this week but I do think that he adds a dynamic to this offense. And when when Jared Cook is your best 
or most productive receiver in your line on Tavon <laughs> Austin. You know, I, you know, I can't mess with you if you're five seven in the NFL. It's just too hard to consistently make an impact. So I, I think the Steelers, man, I think the Steelers are actually going to go in there and blow them out. And until you show me that you can stop Antonio Brown, and when Le'Veon Bell is back. Heath Miller up the middle, and I think look Cortez Allen and Shea Zero be missed, but ultimately I think you guys just have too much posse, and I like the Steelers in this one big. I think they win thirty three twenty. Yeah, I agree. And now we go to the AFC East battle: Buffalo at Miami, and Ray. I think the Dolphins and Ryan Tannehill have not shown up well against the Rex Ryan defense yet in his career. And I think down in Miami, they're going to be calling for 9-1-1 is a joke because right now the Bills, they've, they had a little taste of, of coming back against the Patriots. Tyrod Taylor's got some confidence. Percy Harvin is a real wide receiver now. Sammy, they'll get going. McCoy might only play 10 carries, but you know what? They got Booby Dixon and Carlos Williams. And we don't know what Miami has offensively in their running game. Lamar Miller has not been doing it. Um, you know, a couple of injuries. I'm not feeling the Dolphins right now. I know Hank, Hank should be calling in and talking to us, but his Dolphins, they, I don't think they're ready. I'm going to say Buffalo takes care of Miami be a little close, but they'll they'll finish it off. I'll say 26-20. Buffalo gals down to South Beach, and they come out with a victory. My my fantasy stud, we're gonna go we're gonna go with Tyrod. He rushes for maybe 70 yards, gets the end zone, no turnovers, passes for two touchdowns, and runs for one. Tyrod Taylor, 200 yard passing game. He's my fantasy stud. You know, I think the league is going to catch up to Tyrod Taylor. There's a reason he's a backup. There's a reason why he was a, you know, late-round pick coming out of Virginia Tech. This Miami team really needs to put an APP out on Lamar Miller. Now, he's a little banged up, and he's questionable for the game, and so is Jordan Cameron. But Ryan Tannehill, if he wants to step up and be a – you know, first tier, I don't even want to say elite yet, but a first tier quarterback, you need to win these tough divisional games. Very disappointing last week that they won in Jacksonville. That's not even a difficult road game. I mean, it's within the state. It's not like you're even going, you know, coast to coast. I mean, come on. You you need to step up in that game. Ugly loss. It really was. But I think that they'll do just enough. I'm not yet sold on this Buffalo offense, especially when LaShawn McCoy is not healthy. When he's healthy, watch out. I'm I'm just not there yet on Tyrod Taylor. I do think that if your boy, Ryan Tannehill, decides to, you know, kind of say, Look, I'm the man, we're gonna take this we're gonna take the bull by the horns, we're gonna win this game, at least at home, we gotta protect home court and you know, Richard Matthews and Jarvis Landry, uh if they can get something out of Jordan Cameron, I think the running game has to wake up and will wake up. I think they'll do just enough to beat this Buffalo team. I think they'll win a close game, 26-23. And I think Devontae Parker's coming back. He might not play that much, but he'll be back. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. So the Broncos and Manning undefeated at Detroit Lions, who just 0-2 struggling. This one is weird because I could see the Lions waking up Sunday night at home and sort of surprising and shocking everybody. But I can't pick them to win because Stafford's not healthy. The, the offense is sort of still working out its kinks. And honestly, this Bronco team is different because I think the defense is special. This will go down as a top three to five defense in the NFL, one of the best defenses. They rush the passer. The linebackers are good. Khalid, uh, Talib, um, Khalib is on the back end is, is just – he's a beast. And so you got to watch out for the Broncos. I'll say Detroit gets gets a little bit of the offense going because the crowd will get hyped up. Maybe they hit Manning a bit. It should be close. I'll say um, Broncos win 24-21. 
at the end of the day, Hillman and Anderson will give him a little bit, and I'll uh, I'll go with um, Demarius doing enough uh, touchdown, eight receptions, 100 yards, my player of the game. Broncos win 24-21. Well, you know that's the that's the spread right there, three points, and I'm waiting to see which Peyton Manning is the real Peyton Manning, right? Is this guy smoking mirrors and really has nothing left in his arm? Or is he the consummate professional who does just enough to get his team in position to score and win? The Detroit Lions, after losing in Dominican Sioux, are terrible on defense this year so far. They're averaging almost 30 points allowed a game, which I think is going to really uh, you know, enable the Broncos to put up I don't want to say big numbers like two years ago, but I think the Broncos will put up 30. And Ooh. Detroit's going to have trouble scoring. I don't know what happened to Calvin Johnson, and I don't know what happened to Matt Stafford to Calvin Johnson. It used to be the dream team matchup. They can't get Calvin Johnson the ball. He's only had 12 receptions in two games, and he's averaging 10 yards a reception. I mean, that's not Calvin Johnson numbers right there. Amir Abdullah, yeah. The jury's still out on him. He's not getting the ball enough, you know. And so I think that ultimately when you have a team where you can throw out Demarius Thompson, I want my man Cody Latimer to step up a little bit. He hasn't been doing that much. You know, I had him predicted as having a big season. But I, I, know. I think Nate Manning can do enough. And with that running attack, with that defense, the fact that mm-hmm. Detroit is a little bit of a porous defense, I'm going to take – the Denver Broncos, 30-21, to 21, and I'm going to say Demarius Thomas has a big game. I'm going to say he goes 11 for 120 and two touchdowns. Well, as we wrap up the show, we've got to just quickly look at MLB and the standing. You know, everything's pretty much set in stone except for this American League wild card and, and the division and, and the AL West. And this is a big series, Ray. This is the season right here. The Rangers at 83 and 69 are playing against the Astros at 80 and 73. This is the last shot for the Astros, three and a half back. They need to sweep or, worse, get two out of three against the Rangers this weekend. They need to hold off the Angels and the Twins who are breathing down their necks. And this is it for the Astros because if they get swept by Texas, they could not only lose the AL West, they could wind up losing the wild card as well. And they're down three nothing already. Yeah, I'm worried. You know, I had the Astros penciled into the playoffs, winning the division about three months ago, and and I've been holding on, and I do think they'll still hold on, but I'm worried. I'm worried because Scott Casimir got banged around a little bit. They're down three nothing. Another quick injury note, real really quickly before we end the show is uh Carlos Martinez from the St. Louis Cardinals left after seven pitches with some mm. tightness in his shoulder. And I hope that's just precautionary cuz you don't want to see, you know, one of the front end guys on that rotation go down like that, but he left uh not so happy. That's not good. Um I think the Astros might survive in the playoffs to maybe hold on to that wild card. But, Ray, I, I think the division is, is going to be done. I think the Rangers get two out of three this weekend. You know, I think it's it's, it's going to be the Rangers winning that division, and it will be all over for the Houston Astros. Yeah, I hear you. One last note, Jonathan Papelbaum got suspended three games. Did you see that when he threw out Manny Machado? It was like, really? Yeah, I mean, what was that all about? All he did was hit a home run. I mean, baseball's crazy like that sometimes. It's sensitive, Ray. You get beat, you get beat. Like, go go strike him out. Yeah. That is frustrating, right? The baseball sort of unwritten rules. Some of yeah, these guys. Rules, unwritten rules. Out. Yeah, that's just nonsense. Just play ball, you know? Definitely, definitely. Well, look, great show. And, um,. You Thanks know. to Oren for calling, talking some Niners. Appreciate the call. Always appreciate callers. Definitely. Listen, wait a shout out, Ray. 
Got a little birthday coming up for his little angel turning one years old, right? <laughs> yes, the big one. Yes. Can you believe it's been one year? Yeah, shout Very out to Mom Dukes, Erica. That's that's a blessing, man. So happy birthday to young Ella. Enjoy it. And listen, it's officially autumn, fall. Everywhere it's chilling out a little bit. West Coast still kind of hot, but it'll be cooling down. Enjoy a great sports weekend, and we'll see you on Monday. Peace. We are out. Do you remember back in September, all the good times and lots of fun in September, y'all? A celebration in September, y'all. A celebration. Do you remember back in September, all the good times and lots of fun in September, y'all? A celebration in September, y'all. A celebration. September's here and it's the end of the summer Back to school or to work for some It's the bummer For others it's a new year and time to atone to Buy some new gear or a cell phone Labor Day Parade, what island is you from?